Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Mike Hopkins. I'm the minister here at 17th Street Christian Church in Corbin, Kentucky. And thank you all so much for listening today. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our current sermon series on the book of Proverbs. I told our congregation yesterday that this series really could have been called something different, like the Toe Stepper sermon series. It's about every single week we've really hit a pretty hot topic, something that's really had the possibility to step on a lot of toes and really call out a lot of our issues that many of us deal with. Uh, but hopefully we've been able to handle that, you know, with grace, but also able to hold people accountable um, be in the areas that we really do struggle with. The sermon series this week is concluding with a topic that many of us struggle with, but honestly, none of us like to admit. It's very challenging. And so I really encourage you today to listen with an open heart and challenge yourself. Uh, if you feel a little standoffish at times during today's message, maybe that means you really need to be listening because today's topic is all about pride and how do we defeat arrogance because an arrogant Christian is a bad advertisement for our God. So again, thanks for listening. If you enjoy this message, uh, feel free to share it online. And hey, come visit us one Sunday morning. We meet every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock or head over to our website and you can watch these services live as well. So again, thank you all for joining and enjoy. Good morning. Hey, wow, we're awake today. Good, Good morning, everybody. Thank you all so much for being here. Make sure I turn that on. Um, I'm so happy you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. Um, I, just, I love being able to feel God's presence and I'm hopefully you have as well. I was told that I'm wearing periwinkle this morning, um, so I think it was a compliment if it was an insult, oops, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think it's more of a blue, but we'll, we'll save the debate for later. But um, again, welcome everybody. I'm happy you chose to be here this morning. Um, today we're going to be wrapping up um, our current series that we've been doing. And I'll be honest, I was kind of thinking there uh, this, this morning, you know, if I could really go back and change the name of this series, I think I wouldn't name it the Book of Proverbs. I think I would have just named it the Toe Stepper. I feel like just about every week we've gotten maybe a different person's toe or something stepped on, you know, through these different conversations. Um, and maybe in my goal, my prayer is over the past couple months, you've been able to realize maybe one area in your life that you need to work on. You know, we've talked all about anger. We've talked about the way we spend our money. We've talked about just being happy. We've talked about being content. Last week we had a hard conversation about our words and the things that come out of our mouth. We talked all about how our tongue is one of the most dangerous parts of our body and if we don't take if we don't use it carefully it can start fires that destroy and destroy and many of you probably again just like we talked about last week can think right now of some fires that you've witnessed in your own life whether it's something that you started or something around you that you saw them start by the words that they said and how much danger they can do church we can be better we will be better church i think we have to be better we have to be better because we are the living example. We are the church of God. And we are every person we communicate with. This whole series, we've been talking basically about our attitudes. I don't know if you've noticed. Most of the things we've discussed for the past several weeks are the ways we interact with people. You know, we are a walking advertisement for our God. And we have to be better. We have to be better. But like we said, every single week, we've been walking, we've been, I've been challenging you this year, trying something different. I've been giving you a memory verse to work on. Why? It's because too many times we are into this very powerful weapon, this tool that God has given us. It's, scripture says that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Every time an incident happens in Scripture, what do they do when they're under adversity? They pray and they quote Scripture. 
So we're going to get better at quoting scripture. So hey, if you did your memory work last week, I struggled a little bit this week, I won't lie. But hey, quote with me out of the book of Proverbs chapter 15. A harsh answer, excuse me, see I've already messed up. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, I struggled a little bit, I'm not going to lie to you, I struggled a little bit more on that one. But remember that and how powerful our words are. Uh, that was embarrassing. But today, we're going to wrap up this conversation. Before we do that, I'm going to let you know what we're going to be starting next week. Something I'm excited about is next week we're going to start pulling lots of topics out of the book of Galatians. Um, I'm excited to do this starting next week. Is we're going to be talking all about the grace that Paul speaks. Um, because I think a lot of us don't realize how good God's grace is. It's a big theme in the book of Galatians. Um, it's a big topic, so we're going to be talking all about that next week. We're going to be hitting, we're going to be diving deep into that. I think for about five weeks we're going to spend in the book of Galatians. So I'm excited. Church today, it's another one. Kind of the, like I said, the, the toe stepper sermon series. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about anger. And I don't remember the exact quote I said, but I said how anger is a disease. It's a plague of our hearts, and it takes many of us out. It destroys relationships, communities, families, churches, people, our souls. Anger kills us. And there's another, we're going to speak on another sickness today, church. Something that maybe many of us struggle with. You know, we've kind of talked about the interesting thing with this series is many of these things a lot of us struggle with, but we don't want to admit it. And to my opinion, now this is Mike's opinion, this is the hardest one to admit. I might be wrong, that's what I think. Today we're going to talk about pride. It's a disease of our heart. It's a problem, church. And it is a problem because our Bible is full of instruction about it. It's hard not to see something written about arrogance and pride and humility. We see it all throughout the Bible. And, and when we say that word, it's not always negative. And so as I was kind of put, putting this sermon together, I, I wanted to make sure I made that part clear. Because, you know, sometimes we take pride in things, and that's not unhealthy. But they're kind of a difference. For example, I know many of you probably take pride in your kids. You know, you know they do a good job. They're good people. They make a good influence. Like, it's okay. You're, you're, you feel good. You, you pat yourself on the back. You did a good job with your kids. Maybe your job. You're like, you know, I take pride in my work. I put in the hours, I bust my tail, I do a good job. You can take, you know, take a little pride, I've accomplished this, take pride in that. That kind of pride's not bad. It's almost not even really the real usage of the word. But today it's more of a negative sense of pride. The pride to where we can't admit that we're ever wrong. The pride that we are arrogant. The pride to where if it keeps going worse and worse we become narcissistic. Pride that eats us alive. There's so many quotes out there about pride, and I've got a list of them. I'm just going to read them to you. I've got a bunch. I love these because they just do such a good job at capturing it. Anthony Liston says this, Some people would rather die in their pride than live in their humility. Andrew Murray says, Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. That would been a good bottom line for today's sermon. What about Thomas Jefferson? You've heard of him. Pride costs us more than hunger, thirst, and cold. Rick Warren, pastor in California. Pride builds walls between people. Humility builds bridges. It's a very quotable topic. What about the Bible? What's the Bible say about pride? Proverbs chapter 16. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. A haunting spirit will Excuse me, before a fall. Church, right now, uh, I'm going to give you permission to point the finger for about 10 seconds. 
not in the room. Who's someone in your life that you know is arrogant, struggles with pride? Now, be I don't want no elbows on this question, okay? Elbow them in the car, okay? But, but it's, do that exercise. And when you think of that, maybe ask yourself, I wonder if I'm on the piece of paper of someone sitting close to me. You know, when we look at Scripture, um, the Bible is full of stories and people who struggle with pride and arrogance. I mean, you know, these people who acquired so much power and money, and it's easy for their heads to get big. Um, in my opinion, one of the best examples is, you know, one of our greatest, you know, people that we learn from in Scripture was King David. Like, really, my God, if he had that much pride, well, he, he, there's a story where he did <laughs> all sorts of the time. You remember King David, what did he do one day? He's walking around. As he looks outside, who's he see over there across the road? He's Bathsheba out there, naked, bathing. He's like, hey, I'm the king. I'm the man. I get what I want. I don't care about you. Bring her over here. He has his way with her. She gets pregnant. You know the rest of the story. He doesn't want the husband to find out. He has the husband killed in battle, basically, by, way, by the means of sending him out to the front lines where he would be killed. Just because he wanted, he thought he could get whatever he wanted. But what's interesting is we keep reading the story. It's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Is what happens to David after this whole event. Look at me, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Verse 1, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, and he starts to tell him the story. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb he had bought. He raised it, he grew it up with him and his children, it shared his food, drank even from his cup, he even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the lamb that belonged to the poor man and he prepared it for the one who had come to him. Then David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan looked to Daniel and said, You are that man. That is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hands of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives in your arms. I gave you all of Israel, all of Judah, and all of this has been too little. I would have given you even more. Why do you despise the world or the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah, his wife, the Hittite, with sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives. I will give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. The Bible is very um, out there, church. I mean, it's, it's, we, we can't censor what we're reading. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. And then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die, but because of this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son born to you, he will die. All because of his arrogance. I get what I'm, I'm in charge. I get whoever I want. 
obviously, none of us in the room are kings. If you are, hey, come, come talk to me. <laughs> but we get too big for our britches, don't we? I think pride has destroyed some of us. It's been seasons in my life where it really has. And, and here's the, kind of the question, and here's kind of the thing. Church, we have to have Nathans in our life. What's interesting about pride, I feel like there's a lot of sins. You know, this is kind of about the book of Mike. There's a lot of sins that's easy for us to admit. Like, you can kind of step back for a second. Okay, yeah, I see, I messed up. Like, that makes sense. I see the mistake. But when it comes to pride, it's very hard to admit. Because when you admit pride, you're, like, negating pride. It's the opposite of that. Because you have to admit in that moment that, hey, I am wrong. I messed up. I don't know what I'm talking about. And so it's very, very challenging for someone who struggles with this to ever admit it. It takes a lot of practice. I had a mentor once give me this book. I've yet to read it, which there you go, probably means I need to. It's called No Ego, talking about how to get your ego out of things. And in the leadership world and businesses, how to make sure you don't take your pride with you. Let me ask you this question. Do you struggle with pride? It's in your bulletin. And, and like I said, that's hard to be honest about. And I've said this every single week. Don't just answer that for yourself. Let those closest to you answer. If you're married, ask your spouse. Ask your kids, ask your neighbor, ask your best friend, ask your sibling, whoever. Go to those closest to you and ask, do you think I struggle with pride? Because you may not like their answer. Um, I, I, I did something kind of neat today, and I forgot to bring one up here. But you're going to see in your bulletins, it's a little, little question and response. Something I think is very interesting. Because maybe you're like, I don't really want to talk to someone about this. I might not like their answer, but I don't know if I struggle with pride. I don't think I do, but maybe I do. And you're kind of going back and forth. I love, I love these little quizzes. There, um, in your spare time today, this week, actually do it today, answer all those questions. And kind of see how many answers are yes. How many times you actually struggle with these different things that involve our arrogance and our pride and the lack of humility. Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction, the haunting spirit before a fall. Pride is a disease of the heart. It's an ailment. But God has given us the medicine for it. I'm going to kind of run with that metaphor, if you will. It's very simple but difficult. The pill we have to swallow is humility. Humility is the cure to pride. Obviously, they're kind of opposite. You know, Mike, that makes sense, but it's so hard to do. Like I said, take a step back out of your own life for a second and just think of someone that you know struggles with this, and you know right now that humility would be hard for them to do. But then ask yourself that same exact question. You know, there are great rewards in this life for humility, the fear of the Lord. But because the world is proud and we resist God, these rewards, they come with persecution. Sometimes job losses, sometimes a ruined reputation, sometimes even death at times. No follower of Jesus, us included, we should ever believe that he promises us a life of uninterrupted um, problems, of no issues at all, with nothing that's full of riches and honor and nothing but gain and happiness. That's not what God tells us at all in Scripture. That's a pill some of us, I think, need to swallow. So, hey, I, I, this is what I want you to do. I don't, want, I don't get offended. Well, you can get offended. I don't care. Today, I want you to check yourself. Get honest. Ask those around you. Do you struggle with pride? Because for some of us, it might take us a long time to even finally admit that. And that right there is such a hard step. And so, you know, we've been through this book of Proverbs, and Solomon is someone that very qualified to talk about pride, Okay. Solomon was a rich man, guys. And when I say rich, I don't mean that he just had a 401k and, you know, a trust fund. <laughs> he was on a millionaire. 
He was not a billionaire. It's kind of hard to equate, but if you look at Scripture and you break down how much of gold stuff he has, you know, um, he was known for having all these different gold mines. He's worth a little over $2 trillion. Trillion with a T. That's how much money, that's how many resources that Solomon kind of had in his life. He could do whatever he wanted. But yet when we read his scripture, he talks a lot about money because obviously he had a bunch and he wanted to make sure his kids knew what to do with it and how to spend it and how to save it and how to be you know, frugal and all that stuff. But he talks about so many other things. I think when it's someone that has that much power and someone that we've been told in scripture was so wise, when these people came from all over the world just to seek his wisdom because they knew that he was so wise, and yet he talks about so much more than just money, we should probably pay attention. And he speaks on pride. I'm going to read one of the most dense chapters to you in all the Bible. And so I invite you to hang on, hang on tight. It's Proverbs chapter 22. I'm not lying when I say this. If you read through chapter 22 and a little bit past that, there's about 45 sermons in this chapter. (laughs) You can almost take it verse by verse and we could do a whole year. And we're only going to focus on a little bit. But I want to read the whole chapter because some of you may need to hear something else that's in this. Let's read Proverbs chapter 22. Excuse me, says this. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. The richest man there is saying that's not even the most important thing. That right there should get our attention. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked and snares and pitfalls, but those who have preserved their lives stay far from them. Start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The rich roll over the poor, the borrower is slave to lender. That's Dave Ramsey's favorite verse, if you've ever been through his classes. Verse 8, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield is in fury will be broken The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share in food with the poor. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. The one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have a king for a friend. The eyes of the Lord watch over the knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. The sluggard says, the sluggard says, There's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. The mouth of the adulterous woman is in a deep pit. The man is under the Lord's wrath, falls into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far away. It's a kid's least favorite verse. One who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Pay attention. Turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. It is, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today that even you have not written. Have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and speak the truth so that you may bring back truthful reports to those you serve? Do not exploit the poor because they're poor. Do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Do not be one who shakes hands and pledge or puts up security for debts. 
If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. Do you see someone skilled with their work? They serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of the Lord. There's a lot in that chapter. Like, Mike, you probably shouldn't have read all that. Probably not. But there's so much good in there. I saw 30 sermons in there in one chapter. But focus just a little bit. Church, there's so many examples of pride in, our, in church history. So many stories. I told you the story of David. I love the story of David because, you know, he's a man after God's own heart. Yeah, you've got to watch him fall. And, you know, it's easy to, you know, connect with him, at least for me. And, and there's so many examples. I mean, I think right now we could sit back and we can name examples of people, whether it's in, you know, maybe political history or movies or books or even scripture reference of people who struggle with pride. It's a big topic. You ever heard like the folklore of Icarus, who, you know, had the wings glued to his back and while well, he flew too high to the sun and then what happened, his wings fell off and he crashed to the ground or flew into the sun. I don't know how it ends. And he, either, he died either way. <laughs> rough, rough day. Even Adam wanted to be like God. What happened to them? They became farther away from him and eventually had to die. Church pride comes naturally to us, but yet it does nothing but destroy. So today, let's get honest. Let's get honest with ourselves about pride. This is what James says. But he gives us more grace. That, excuse me, that is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Let's not read that lightly. But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Open up your Bible, church, and see what happens to people God opposes. Not good stuff. Do you struggle with pride? Pride does not end in riches and honor, but humility requires God's grace. I remember I spoke a little bit about humility a few months ago, and I said this quote by C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think some of us need to work on our humility Church, God commands us to cultivate humility. It, says, it tells us in Peter to humble yourselves before God by accepting his word. And what's interesting is whenever we look at humility, it's really connected to the fear of God. You know, last week we talked a lot about the fear of God. Remember that if you were here? Were you awake? We talked about the fear of God. And we talked about how it's, it's, a, it's a reverent fear. It's not the trembling fear that you're afraid you're going to be like, you know, struck down. It's not what the fear of God means. It's a fear of respect. You, you honor and you worship this person who literally breathed the universe into existence. And so you have the right to fear him in that reverent and respectful way, not the trembling way. But the problem is, if you struggle with pride, you probably don't have much fear for God. Where there's fear of God, there is no humility. Or excuse me, when there's no fear of God, there is no humility. But yet the reward for humility is the fear of God. And what's it tell us there in Proverbs? It says, riches, honor, and life. I mean, does that not grab your attention at all? You know, this really kind of comes back to almost all these issues we've talked about these past few weeks, whether it's an anger problem, a contentment problem, a money problem, whatever it is. I bet a lot of us are struggling just because of this one thing called pride. Church, we have got to get over ourselves got to get honest. You need to have someone look you in the eye and say that you trust. Listen, I'm not giving you an example to go out and be a jerk and tell, hey, you're arrogant. No. Talk to people you trust. <laughs> you need to have someone be honest with you and say, hey, I, this is something you're struggling with. I see it. 
You know, Mark 10 says, this is Jesus talking. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with all the persecutions in the age to come eternal life. Proverbs, the humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches, honor, and life. Pride does not always lead to happiness, church. It might lead you to more money. It might lead you to more power. But Scripture tells us that humility gives us wages that are riches, honor, and life. Sometimes those riches aren't always physical. Sometimes they are. Open up your Bibles. I'm not going to say if you become humble, you're going to strike it rich. I'm not saying that. But it's like, we don't see what the Bible's telling us. So let's, get some, let's be a little practical. How can we be more humble? How do we be more humble? And listen, I know this is a really awkward conversation. Because right now, if you struggle with pride, you probably aren't even listening to me. You get it? So take a step back for a second. You've got to just, just listen. How can we be more humble? How can we defeat pride? What can we do to be better? There's a movie called Shazam. It's a superhero movie. The kid becomes an adult and he fights bad guys. Well, the bad guy in the movie is overcome by these, by, uh, they're like these demons, but they're overcome. They all represent one of the seven deadly sins. That's the reason I'm mentioning it. And the one of them is pride. There's a picture of what pride looks like in the movie. There's a quote that says, pride is the most powerful, dangerous of all the enemies. It represents the desire to be one or to be more important or attractive than all the others. Obviously, that's not a real picture. You know, that's probably what God sees in us, though, whenever we walk around with our arrogance. How can we beat pride? Number one, name it. Now, listen, that sounds simple. I'm going to take it a little farther. What do you mean when you say name it, Mike? I was listening to a podcast the other day about a guy who used to work in, he was in charge of all the like, international the- theatrical releases at, at the Walt Disney Company. And he was talking about how he really struggled with anxiety. And I love what he said about how he deals with that. And he said, you can take this method and apply it to all your areas of life. And I love it. And I'm applying it to pride this morning. <laughs> he says, whenever he starts to have an anxiety attack, what he does is he visualizes that attack as a separate person. He takes that person and he sits them down at the table and he knows the only reason he's come into his life to cause problems is because something's going on that's triggered him. You know, some of us, whenever we experience pride or arrogance, maybe we need to give that person a name. We need to visualize that they're coming into our lives. They're trying to make us feel that we're better than who we are. They're causing us to be arrogant, absent of humility, and they're there because there's something going on. Because it's abnormal at times. Pride is trying to tell us that you're struggling in this area. Maybe it's because you're very conscious in that area and you need to eventually accept yourself in that area. So your pride, your arrogance, all it's doing is trying to protect you from the things that you're not comfortable with about you. Some of us are arrogant in certain ways and or areas of our lives and not others. Maybe we need to recognize when we feel that way so that we can then attack it. If that doesn't make sense, come talk to me afterwards. But give it a name. Give it a name. But this, here's the hard one. We need to welcome opinions. I know that sounds weird. It's like, well, Mike, I don't, can't just listen to everybody. No, you can't, not everybody. But we have to be able to have conversations with some people, not everyone. Like I said, I'm not giving you the excuse to go around and be a jerk and share your opinion when it's not needed. 
I'm saying when you're comfortable, when you have an honest relationship with somebody and they can look at you and they can tell you and call you out of your flaws. Proverbs 15 says, Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who are disregard discipline despise themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. I want to read you what it says in the ESV. I like its version a little bit better. It won't be on the screen. It says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. But whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Church, ask yourself right now, do you have someone in your life you've given permission to speak truth into you? I know there's people who speak truth into us when we don't want them to at times. But have you given someone permission in your life to be honest with you about your pitfalls? If not, you need to find that person. You're running out of time. The clock's ticking, church. We may not be here tomorrow. You're wasting time. We need to give people permission to speak truth in our lives. If you don't welcome opinions, you're not welcoming wisdom. And the third thing is this. And I told you, this is the, <laughs> pride is hard. You need to admit you struggle with it. Because some of you right now are like, this is the dumbest sermon. Oh, I want some chili. Mike, shut up. Maybe that's what you need to do right now. Admitting that you are arrogant in areas of your life, admitting that you have a pride issue is so difficult, but it's the first step. I know that sounds so basic. I try not to make my points complicated. But you got to admit it. And you know what else you got to do? you got to admit when you're wrong. Church, I hate admitting when I'm wrong. Ask Jenna. She's not in here. (laughs) Ask her. You know, someone who struggles with pride will never admit they're wrong. Someone who's arrogant will never admit they're wrong. Someone who has narcissistic tendencies will never admit they're wrong. Ask yourself, when's the last time I admitted that I was wrong? Maybe Maybe that's something you need to notice. We need to admit that I am wrong. If we, don't say, if we never say I'm wrong, it's a sign of arrogance and pride. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, what love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. There's no love in pride. Where there's no love, there is no Jesus. Where there is no Jesus, you better buckle up. Let's pray. Father God, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our arrogance. God, help us to embrace humility. Help us to admit when we're wrong. God, it's so hard. God, it's so challenging. So God, show us grace and help us to become more humble people. Help us to, you know, to really, really work on this. God, if there's someone here today who has not given their life over to you and maybe they're having a pride problem because the idea of relying on someone else other than themselves is challenging, God, open their eyes right now and let them know about the glory and the riches that you one day promised to all those who come to you. God, help us and forgive us. Lord, I ask this in your son's name. Amen. Church, I really want you to answer that question today. Get honest. Have an awkward conversation with, a, with one of your best friends, a relative, whoever. Talk about pride. Don't talk about it with someone you don't, you're not close to. Talk about someone you're close to. Say, do I struggle with pride? If you do, if you know right now, maybe God just slapped you in the face. You feel his presence today and he's working on you and he just, he, you already know. He got you. And you need some help. Let's work on that. Let's pray over you. Let's do some steps. Let's seek humility. I'd love to help you do that. But you're also here because you've not given your life over to him yet. Church, now is the opportunity. You're being prideful in that moment because you're only relying on yourself. You're not relying on the one who breathed earth into existence. 
You know, one of the first steps of becoming a follower of Jesus is being humble and admitting that you are not in charge. If that's you, will you come? Let's stand, let's sing. Church, if you need help, let's attack this. We're running out of time. Let's sing.